prayed that you do reign. You rule and reign, and we come under the shelter of your wing again this morning with such gratitude and with expectation, God, that your rule and reign is sufficient. Lord, for everyone who's out there, just if you're just hearing the sound of my voice and you feel absolutely lost, don't know which way to turn, the Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you're here right now, just again, maybe just close your eyes and pray for somebody that you know is lost, feels lost, far from God, needs to come back to God. If you're here in the sound of my voice or you're watching online and you don't know Jesus, just pray this simple prayer with me right now. Lord Jesus, tell me you need him. Lord Jesus, I need you. Pray it with me right now. If you don't know Jesus or you feel lost, you got to find your way to him. Lord Jesus, I need you. That's your prayer. Forgive me of my sins, acknowledging that our sins block us from God. And then we pray a simple prayer. You can pray it right after me. Thank you that you died on the cross for me. Thank you for taking my sin upon yourself. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross, for rising from the dead, for making a way just for me. Just pray that with me. For making a way just for me to be free today and to find my way home. So I come right now, Lord Jesus, I come. I am yours. I come and I give my life to you. I give my heart to you. I am yours. Now, Lord, for every person calling on your name right now, we proclaim them free from the power of sin and death, not by our own words, but by your power and your grace. And Lord, for all those individuals being prayed for right now, may each one find their way home because of the prayers of the saints and because of your death, burial, and resurrection. May 2024 be a place of rescue and refuge for all who call on your name. In your precious name we pray, amen. Amen. You know, at different times I feel prompted just to do that, even if it's in the middle of a service, because I know that in a room like this, there's people longing to find God. You're here because you're wanting to know, is God real? Is there a way to him? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. But because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, he's made a way for you and me to come to God. Not on our own merit, our own work, but on his grace alone. So all those who prayed with me, cried out, said, Lord, here I am. Please, right after the service, make sure that you go to the little Connect Center. Let us know what's going on in your life. Let us pray with you and help you walk forward in the grace of God. Well, all righty, everybody. Happy New Year, family. That was kind of weak, but it's all right. Happy New Year to you guys, and, and I'll I receive that back. Thank you. Thank you. I feel, feel loved, feel encouraged, and assured that it's all right. Okay. 
Well, hey, it is a new year, and um, we're going to, next week, we'll be kind of uh, unveiling what is God speaking to us for 2024. We want to encourage you to be a part of that journey with us. Today is going to be a bit of reflection, a place of consecration. Uh, Mick and I are going to share the time here. I'm going to start us off, and then Mick's going to come up and kind of lead us in a, a little bit of teaching and exercise to respond to God as we begin the new year. Um, but let me just uh, tell you a little something that happened last year. Uh, in February, I had this kind of unique encounter with God. And in this time with the Lord, um, the Lord was speaking to me to pray Isaiah 61 into the spheres of influence uh, in our country and around the world. So Isaiah 61, I'll just read the first four passages. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, upon us, um, because the Lord has anointed us to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent us to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives, freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and the mantle of praise instead of fainting. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Then they will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will raise up the former devastations. They'll repair the ruined cities and the desolutions of many generations. That's a good word, by the way. The Spirit of the Lord is upon Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord is on his people to proclaim freedom to captives, to proclaim a new day, the planting of the Lord, the grace of God to his people. So I begin to pray that in this particular time with the Lord, and I'm declaring God in business and healthcare, politics and education. And then I felt that God specifically focused on, now I want you to turn to the music industry and the garment industry and begin to declare Isaiah 61. Now, obviously, I know nothing about the garment industry. Look at me. I mean, you know, this is just, I feel really comfortable with wherever uh, I wear. That's not a thought in my mind. I love music, but of course, I'm not in the industry. So it was a very unique time with the Lord. I said, well, Lord, if this is of you, uh, show me how to use this throughout the year. And in a very unusual way throughout the year, I met people in the music industry and the garment industry, some locally, nationally, internationally some people whose music and uh, garment work, if you will, it goes around the world. It was just a fascinating year. But fast forward into October, I was uh, going to Brazil to speak uh, at an event uh, with a group called Dunamis. And um, I land with my son, Caleb. We get in the car. This young leader had picked us up. And I said, well, hey, what do you do with Dunamis, this particular ministry and church planning movement? And he said, well, I used to lead Dunamis music, and Dunamis music would be like Hillsong music or Bethel music or whatever we're familiar with, the largest kind of expression in Brazil. I used to lead Dunamis music, but we started a new arm of Dunamis, and it's uh, Dunamis garments. And I said, unbelievable, this can't, this can't be happening again. He said, Dunamis garments, and we just felt that God was leading us to make these <clears throat> these really quality garments that declare the praise of God and uh, uh, around our nation. And I was like, oh, okay, well, tell me more about that. 
And uh, he tells us about it. And of course, we do the Isaiah 61 thing. I tell him about all this. We pray over him, presence of God. You know, he's really uh, strengthened in power. We brought that to the conference as well. It was a beautiful time, again, of God giving an encounter early in the year and then uh, confirming that in this unique way. But I had one other experience with uh, this guy explaining to me about what they were doing with these garments. He said, do you, un- do you realize that for every cotton garment, when you put it kind of into those threads that make the garment, that about 20 to 30% of the cotton that goes into it is waste? And we were praying about that. We said, Lord, you don't waste anything. What do we do with the waste as we make these garments for your glory? And the Lord spoke to one of their guys about, let's turn it into fertilizer, actually high-end fertilizer. And some of their engineers and creative minds got together, and they are making a fertilizer that's going to market that they believe will have, uh, will, um, get, have greater income than the garment itself. So they're making a beautiful garment, what is the gift, but it's the waste that actually is going to have the most potency. Now, if you're a bit spiritual out there, you're maybe putting the pieces together that maybe the waste of our lives has a greater potential for the beauty of God than the gift of our lives. We're all evaluating ourselves based on our gifts. Am I pretty enough? Am I musical enough? Am I smart enough? Am I talented enough? What about this? What about that? When am I going to be of value? First of all, you are of value at creation, at value at the cross, and you're the most valuable thing in the world to Jesus today, period. And you're gifted by God, and the more you give your heart to Jesus, he uses those gifts for his glory. But what about the waste? (laughs) What about the sin? What about the regret? What about the things that shouldn't have been, that happened? What about the waste in my life? And what I've found in, in the grace of God is that it's literally the wasted parts of our lives that God gets the greatest amount of glory because it's all about him. Like I bring him my destruction, my regrets, my garbage, and then he turns something beautiful out of even something broken. This is the beauty of God. This Isaiah 61 passage that God brings a beauty out of ashes. Okay, so I have this deal in Brazil, and actually this was about a, a two-week period. I then flew to gather with our missionaries from the Middle East and Europe, and um, we're doing these morning prayer meetings. And that particular, one particular morning, I, I put on that shirt that I had from Dunamis, one of their garments. And uh, I go into the prayer meetings. I'm walking in. I felt like the Lord whispered to me, this is an Isaiah 61 prayer meeting. And I walk into the meeting and somebody comes over to me and says, the Lord is saying to us he's, that nothing is wasted. It's important that you know that nothing's wasted. And remember the story? And I, so I share the story with everybody. I said, hey, look, we had this encounter. Nothing's wasted. It's the fertilizer for the future. And I said, all right, everybody, so bring all your sin and all your regrets and all your anxieties, and let's just put them in the pile in the middle, and let's pray that God would bring glory out of our waste of our lives. And man, the beauty of God showed up, not only in that prayer meeting, then with all of our missionaries and leaders, because God is glorified through our brokenness even more so than he is from our gifts. Because it's all him (laughs) when he shows up in the midst of our ashes. Well, that same day at lunch, one of our uh, missionaries, um, she was uh, sharing, uh, again, she'd been used powerfully in Mozambique. Her name's Tracy Evans. And Tracy's sharing with Laura and some of our other friends. 
she said, you know, that, that what we did this morning just so correlates to what uh, an experience I had with God the last couple of years. She said, I, was, I had a dream, and in a dream, this angel was falling behind, sweeping up ashes into a dustpan. And I'm like, why are you sweeping up my ashes? I thought Jesus took care of those. I wanted to get rid of those. I'm embarrassed about those things. And the, the angel looked at her with these ashes in this dream, by the way, in this dream, this angel looks at her and says, well, what do I have to work with if I don't have your ashes? There's nothing to make beauty out of. Wow, isn't that good? So as we go into today's teachings, and even as we go into a week of consecration, and Mick's going to be explaining a little bit of that, what if our greatest places of pain or loss or that either we did or happened to us or we don't even know where it came from, what if all that was the greatest place to see the grace of God? Biblically and practically, that's been my experience. And so I just want to get us going here this morning as Mick comes and just say, grace, grace, over every wasted place in 2023. And may the grace of God and the resurrection of Jesus come and visit us for his glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's a good word. It's a good word, isn't it? And when Jimmy shared that with our staff um, back in December, it really impacted me. And uh, I'd been thinking about some past disappointments, and it actually led me to do an exercise uh, that we're going to do here together at the end of our time. Uh, if you're a first-time guest with us today, we've already had you get on your knees, and we're going to have some interactive time. Just hang with us, and uh, when we get to the end of our time, we're doing some exercises. You can just kind of sit back and observe. You're welcome to participate. I'll come to Antioch. Um, <clears throat> we are uh, in a, a time of consecration. Uh, we're setting aside this week. That's the theme of our week. This morning is going to be about consecration. And uh, the word consecration means to, to dedicate ourselves to the service of God, uh, to dedicate ourselves to the service of God, to set ourselves apart. Um, you could use that word consecration more broadly than that. You could talk about how we consecrate ourselves for sports or for band or for work or for family. Uh, we're constantly dedicating ourselves to the things that we find uh, important to us. And all those can be uh, wonderful things. But we're dedicating our energy. We're dedicating our sleep patterns. We're dedicating our time and so on. And at times, we can be dedicated to so many things that it breeds anxiety in our lives. Uh, I won't ask for a show of hands for who already feels anxious about 2024 because of all the things that you have, all the plates you have spinning, uh, and the things that we are dedicating ourselves to. And sometimes in the hustle and bustle of life, our dedication to God can get kind of lost in the mix. And so that's why we want to create some space here in this first kind of full week of 2024 to, um, to set ourselves apart for the uh, to service to God. And so we're going to talk about that this morning, but we're also opening up the auditorium all week. And you see those dates and times up on the screen. Uh, we invite you to come uh, alone uh, as a family, come with your roommates as a life group, and these are going to be unstructured times. And we did this last year. If you were with us, we had great feedback. Um, but during these times, we'll have a pastor here on staff uh, that's just going to be present. 
But these will be self-guided times. You'll have a packet you can pick up that has different exercises for worship and journaling and thankfulness and silence, communion, lament, and then just prayers of consecration where you can seek the Lord and just set aside 2024 uh, for his glory. And so we'd recommend everybody to jump in, whether for 30 minutes or two hours or multiple times during the week, uh, a great time just to come and be in the presence of God, again, whether together with others or, or by yourself uh, for this week of consecration. And for those with elementary students, uh, Kenneth is working on a, a little packet for kids uh, who can participate in that way uh, that'll be different this year from last year. Uh, Steph and I, my wife, we've had a practice for many years of trying to start the year by getting away for a day. Uh, we give, kind of gift that to each other. So uh, the week between Christmas and New Year, uh, I got to get away for a day on Wednesday. She took Friday. And uh, it's designed to just seek the Lord and to look ahead to the upcoming year and our various areas of, uh, various areas of responsibility. Uh, but it's also about looking back at the previous year. As I've found, it's really hard to walk forward if there's something behind me that's holding me back. And often those things that are holding us back are the disappointments, the places of pain, regret, loss, challenges in our lives that turn into uh, bitterness and, again, just uh, disappointment uh, about the past. And there are different ways to look back on the past. We'll have uh, a few of those exercises in the packet during Consecration Week. Uh, but this morning, I want to zero in on a, uh, the Christian discipline of lament. Lament. Uh, it's an ancient discipline. Uh, the word lament meaning to, to grieve, uh, to grieve the pain of life. Uh, and it might sound strange to call it a discipline, but it actually is a discipline in the Christian life to consistently bring those places of pain before the Lord that he might uh, heal those places in our lives, reveal himself to us in our disappointment, even when we don't feel like it. Generally speaking, we are not very good at lament in the West. Uh, I've traveled around the world and had the privilege of being in some other contexts that deal with pain and loss very differently than we do. But generally in the West, we like to project strength in the midst of weakness. But that's not necessarily the case in the Scriptures. If you read the Scriptures, uh, the Bible is painfully honest about the challenges of life and actually tells a very countercultural story that when we embrace our weakness, we tap into a much deeper well of strength in the person of God himself. Uh, Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 through 11. He has had a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what that thorn was, metaphorically uh, speaking, but he has been pleading with God to remove this place of pain from his life. And God responds to him uh, here in verse 9. Paul says, but he, God, said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Paul says, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For, this, for the sake of Christ, then, I am content. And listen to what he's content with, by the way. I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And he's not just a masochist. He's not just into like self-mutilation here. It's not just so he can be going through hardships and difficulties and persecutions. He's tasted of something of God that shows up in our place of weakness uniquely. So I want to give some handrails this morning. 
for some of you, this will be very relevant. You're in a very acute place of pain right now. For others of us, maybe life's going great, and that's wonderful. So take this as a tool to stick into your tool belt to practice in the days to come as the various challenges of life pop up. And we're going to look at Psalm 13 specifically. Uh, There's so many places in Scripture we can look to for models of how to grieve, how to lament. Uh, Psalm 13 is just kind of a neatly packaged example. We could look at Psalm 22, where the pattern we're going to look at uh, repeats over and over and over again. There's a whole book of the Bible uh, dedicated to lament. Anyone know what that book is? Lamentations, right? It's in the very name of that book uh, dedicated to lament. And I'm going to break it down into four movements, the four movements of lament. I hesitate in calling them steps because grief is not very linear. Uh, But these are movements that we see modeled in Scripture that we can participate in to bring our pain to God. So actually, if you would stand with me to read Psalm 13, this brief psalm, we're going to read it together out loud, these six poignant verses. It'll come up on the screen. And we can read this together. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death lest my enemy say, I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Amen. You could be seated. So we're going to break down this psalm and, uh, again, look at it in four movements. The first movement that we see in lament is a turn to God. The psalmist here, David, turns his pain to God in verse 1. He says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? It's the direction that matters here. Right? Now, all of us can complain and grumble and be bitter. Not you, of course, but those around you, your family members. Uh, we are pretty good about um, being aware of the difficulties of life. But here, the psalmist turns that complaint heavenward towards God. And it's interesting to note that um, you know, we believe in the inspiration of the Scriptures, that the Holy Spirit inspired the Scriptures. And so right here in verse 1, David essentially accuses the Lord, how long will you forget me forever? Now, is that a true statement? Has God forgotten him? No, but David feels like it in that moment, doesn't he? And he's turning that pain to God. And it's interesting to me, and this happens all throughout the Scriptures, that it was like the Holy Spirit inspired him to be able to voice his complaint, giving us permission to voice his complaint, even though it doesn't align with truth in that moment. Now, if I was God, and David was writing about how I was forgetting him, that I was, we'll read some other passages later, uh, that are accusing, I don't think I would put that in the book about me, right? Like, but the Holy Spirit is like, ooh, I like that. I like that. That's going, that's going in the Bible. That just shocks me. But uh, I think what's going on there is the Holy Spirit's giving us permission to be honest, uh, 
God already knows what's going on, by the way. He knows what's going on in our lives. He's saying, bring that to me. Turn that to me. I have tried to develop a practice of turning to God, saying out loud what's going on in my soul. God, I feel lonely. God, I feel insecure, and so on and so forth. Why? Why does God invite us to bring that pain to him? Well, ultimately, he's the only one who can shoulder our pain. He's the only one sufficient enough to absorb our pain. Uh, when Steph and I were uh, newly married, we were having a, uh, a fairly big argument. And in the middle of that, and I've had uh, issues with anger throughout the years, in the middle of that, I'm st- I start shouting at her and I kind of pound on the door frame and I break the door frame and there's sheetrock dust and she's crying. And eventually when I kind of come down from the fog of anger, I am just mortified at this, you know, this display of, of anger, this outburst, and she's terrified, and she's crying, and we're living in our pastor's house, and I'm in the basement, and now I've destroyed the door frame, and it's not a good situation. And, you know, he comes down, and we talk it through, and, and it wasn't Jimmy, it's another, another, uh, another pastor. Um, we talk it through, and uh, but after the fact, I was praying, and I was just, I was crying, and I was just shaken that I had been so unhinged, and I was praying, I was like, God, how can that never happen again? And I felt like the Lord said that the anger is real, uh, but you haven't been giving yourself an outlet for it, and so it's been festering under the surface, and it bubbled over at the wrong time. And and by the way, your wife uh, uh, is intimidated by you, but I am not intimidated by you. So I want you to pour out your anger to me and not to her. And in the picture I had in my mind is, of course, you know, I just had lived through me intimidating my wife, but I just had this picture of me, like, shaking my fist up to God, and it was like an ant at this, you know, at this towering mountain, like, me, 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 you know, just like, <laughs> and he's like, hey, that's really cute, you know, and, and um, he doesn't, we're not, we don't intimidate him, and he already knows what's going on, and so turn that pain to him. He is big enough to absorb it. The second movement we see in Psalm 13 is to cry out our complaint. The first movement, we turn to God. The second movement, we cry out our complaint. Verse 2, David writes, How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long must my enemy be exalted over me? Ah, here we go. This is a little bit, a little bit of a window into what's going on with David. How long must my enemy be exalted over me? And this is not just David waxing poetically. We see from, uh, from the stories in uh, Samuel and the Kings that he had very real enemies who were chasing him, persecuting him. And at times it felt like to David that they were being blessed ahead of him and he was being overlooked. And I think that's a universal emotion that we can all resonate with at different times. But here is where we name the pain. We are giving voice to our actual complaint to God. This is where we courageously and honestly face the brokenness of life, that not everything is as it should be. Right? We live in a, in a world that's tainted by sin and the fall and the curse. It is being redeemed, but it has not been fully redeemed yet. And when we plaster over that pain with a smile, it, again, it festers under the surface. And at best, it turns into maybe disillusionment and apathy. But at worst, it can come out in that, that anger or the withdrawal or the 
uh, utter rejection of God and his people. So during the break, um, when I got away with the Lord for a day, I just made a list of ashes from 2023. Jimmy read, read that passage out of Isaiah 61, that God turns our ashes into beauty. And, and I just took some time to name the disappointments of 2023. Uh, now, these could be very large, and these could be quite small. And my list ranged from the very large to the quite small, uh, from some dreams that we'd had that we didn't see come to pass, uh, all the way down to some, some specific instances where I just felt socially awkward. <laughs> I uh, was in a setting a couple weeks ago, and, and I went up to shake this guy's hand, and he, when I got there, I'd already stuck my hand out, and I realized he had like a cup in one hand and something else in the other hand, so I just reached out and shook his wrist, and, and I walked away, and I just felt so insecure, and I was like, why, why does that seem to happen to me more frequently than not? Like, why am I socially awkward? Uh, and so that made the list, you know, this was just a, a list of ashes, disappointments, again, from the, from the small to the, to the more deeply, uh, deeply painful. And for those of you who think maybe this step demonstrates a lack of faith, um, again, I would just argue it's amazing what God canonized in the scripture in terms of the honesty of dealing with life. And it doesn't end here. We'll turn a corner, but we do have to name uh, our pain. And I want to read an example out of Lamentations chapter 3, just again to give permission, to give license to bring this, uh, this complaint to God. And again, we won't end here. But starting in uh, chapter 3, verse 1, <clears throat> the author writes, I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. He's talking about God. He, God, has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Surely against me he turns his hand again and again the whole day long. He has made my flesh and my skin waste away. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. Is the author having a good day or a bad day? Right, he's having a bad day. Uh, he has made me dwell in darkness like the dead of long ago. He has walled me about so that I cannot escape. He, he has made my chains heavy. Though I call and cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with blocks of stones. He has made my paths crooked. Again, not a show of hands, but has anybody, can anybody relate with this uh, person's experience? He is a bear. He's saying, God is a bear lying in wait for me, a lion in hiding. He has turned aside my steps and tore me to pieces. He has made me desolate. He has bent his bow and set me as a target for his arrow. He drove into my kidneys the arrows of his quiver. I have become the laughingstock of all peoples, the object of their taunts all day long. He has filled me with bitterness. He has sated me with wormwood. He has made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say my endurance has perished. It's another way of saying I give up. So has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. Right? It's a, it's a depressing passage of Scripture. And it would be so if he stopped there. He's poured out his complaint for 20 verses. And only in verse 21 does he say this, But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. And now we get the bumper sticker verses. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. 
His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Powerful verses, but I don't think he felt those verses when he wrote them. I think he felt what we read in the first 20 verses. But there was a declaration of faith in verses 22 through 24, which is where we're turning in a moment. But I wanted to read the first 20 verses to say again, there is license in the scripture to bring the very real experiences of our, of our life to God. In fact, not only is there license, if we don't, we will only experience a superficial spirituality. It is in those places of pain that God meets us. It's what the cross is all about, where the pain of mankind, the brokenness, the fallenness of sin meets the mercy of God uh, in those places of deprivation. All right, but movement three. In verses 3 and 4, movement 3 is an appeal for God to hear and respond. An appeal for God to hear and respond. David writes, consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. Right? This is where we make the bold ask of God to fix what's going on in our lives, to respond and to answer in the places of pain and loss, whether it's something that can be fixed circumstantially or whether we just need God to heal something that's going on in our lives. It is okay to ask God for deliverance, for healing, for breakthrough, for restoration. And we see that. And this is part of the lament process. However, movement four is to confess our trust in the Lord, to confess your trust in God. He writes in verse 5, but, and I think that but represents a, a surrender of control of the outcomes to the Lord. Yes, we bring our request to the Lord. He says, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. Translation, come what may. Whether I die in this sickness or am healed, whether I get the financial breakthrough or I don't, whether this relationship is restored or it isn't, I will trust in the steadfast love of the Lord. I believe in David prophetically looking beyond the veil of death, us as believers in Christ, we see beyond the veil of death that Jesus raised from the dead, that the grave doesn't have the final say, that we have the hope of resurrection from the dead and the restoration of all things. Therefore, nothing can touch us. I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord. And again, I don't think David felt like singing in this psalm. I think he felt verses 1 through 4, but he is making a declaration of the will. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. A statement of tremendous faith. Right, this confession of trust is a statement of faith, and I believe that the faith demonstrated here is the victory. Yes, the answers to prayer, the breakthroughs, the healing, those are victories uh, of a kind, but I think the faith demonstrated in God, regardless of the outcome, is the ultimate victory because it points to something beyond the realities of just this life. We become a transcendent signpost of a reality that's beyond us. So we put this all together, and, and I want to give a, just a brief example, and then we're going to do a few exercises to end our time. Um, but lament can look a lot of different ways, and, and I just want to demonstrate this is a, a kind of an act of vulnerability, but just kind of bring you into my 
process, uh, one of my consistent laments over the years that God has healed uh, progressively, but um, just uh, I was adopted. My biological parents were too young uh, to raise me. My adoptive parents are wonderful, present, still married to this day, uh, but I never really had a, a, a close relationship with my dad, an emotionally close relationship. And so there's been this place of loneliness throughout the years. And I have a wonderful spouse. I have a great church family. I have uh, amazing mentors. But there's just something unique about that father-son uh, relationship that, that's hard to replace. And so there have been times where I've just kind of come to the end of myself. We've been uh, in a diff- difficult space financially or in ministry or work or with kids. And there's just been this kind of ache, a longing to be able to pick up the phone and to call a dad. And again, I have wonderful mentors, but I'm talking about the, the experience of the emotion of that loss. And so there have been many times where I've just had to bring that to the Lord and work through this process of lament, something like, uh, God, I feel lonely right now. This hurts. Um, I wish I had somebody I could just pick up the phone uh, and call. And, you know, Lord, actually right now, I don't even know that you're with me. <laughs> I feel that alone. Um, but God, I have enough track record in you that I believe that you're with me. And I'm making a statement of faith again. And, and I'm asking for breakthrough in this place of loneliness. God, would you meet me in this place? And whether I die in this loneliness or um, you bring us through this place of pain, we will serve you. And we will put our hope and our trust in your salvation and your resurrection. And God has met me in different ways at different times. Sometimes there's an immediate uh, emotional breakthrough. At times it's just felt like a, an iron ceiling. But the, the discipline of lament over the years has made a space of grace where God has revealed himself as Father, has met that, that place of loss with, uh, in different ways through different people and by his Spirit. So for our last 15 minutes here, uh, I want to kind of walk us through uh, a few exercises. Again, if it's just your first time here, uh, you're welcome just to kind of observe what's going on. But if this is your home church, I would invite you to really participate uh, in these, these exercises. This is just a sampling of what the next week will be with these, uh, this week of consecration. If you choose to come and uh, go through the packet that we'll provide Uh, But the first of three exercises that we're going to do is actually to practice thankfulness before we get to lament. And thankfulness is a powerful, powerful exercise. It frames up reality for us, and it says that we came from dust and we will return to dust, and everything that we have is a gift of grace. Uh, And so in just a moment, uh, very practically, we're just going to turn to two or three people uh, around you and, uh, and just share five things you're thankful for. Uh, we do this at the dinner table. It's just a consistent discipline practice. And it uh, could be super deep, could be just, you know, right on the surface, doesn't matter, but just kind of exercising the will of thankfulness. Share five things you're thankful for. And then I would encourage you, after each person shares, to then go around a second time and pray those things back to the Lord in prayers of thankfulness. Just simple prayers. God, thank you that you have provided X, Y, and Z. And again, maybe you came in this morning in a deep place of pain, frustration with God, uh, and so on. And I would encourage you just to do this as an exercise of the will, uh, if that's you. So take a few minutes, turn to two or three people, share a handful of things you're thankful for, five things you're thankful for. 
pray together and turn that back into a prayer of thanksgiving and I'll pull us back together. Take just another minute. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, all circumstances. So, Father, we turn our hearts to you and our minds to you. We give thanks, God. We are grateful people. You have provided all things for us. You hold the universe together by the word of your power. You thought us into being. You know our times and our circumstances, and you keep us. You watch over us. We know that you are working all things for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purposes. And we are grateful 
this morning. If you didn't get a chance to finish, you can practice thankfulness all day long. You can be thankful on your drive home, at lunch, dinner tonight. Um, the second exercise we're going to do is just uh, by yourself, between you and the Lord, we're going to have just a minute or two of silence, and it's to name your pain. To name your pain. Again, Psalm 61.3 talks about God bestowing on us a crown of beauty instead of ashes. So what are the ashes of 2023? And you can go even beyond 2023, but just just right there, maybe you could pull out your phone and make a list or jot it down on a, an envelope in front of you or just, just in your mind, thinking of two, three, four things that are disappointments from 2023. That could be a chronic sickness or an injury. Maybe it's an investment that went south or an untimely death, ongoing financial difficulties, loneliness, anxiety, depression, Maybe you feel so socially awkward. You don't quite know where you fit in the world. Or you've had a dream that you risked on, but it hasn't materialized, or it went down in flames, or you've been betrayed, you have a broken relationship, uh, so on and so forth. So I'm just going to take a minute and just make a mental list or a physical list of a handful of things. And this will just prime the pump. Of course, there's no way to be thorough in this amount of time, but just to get the process started, to practice this discipline of lament. Just take a minute, think to yourself, what are the places of disappointment from the past year? lament. I'm going to walk us through the four movements of lament and uh, I want to ask that you just pull one of those disappointments to the surface uh, as we go through this <clears throat> practice briefly. And I'll kind of tee up the different movements and then you can just pray it right back to the Lord. And so we'll actually combine the first two mo movements of turning to the Lord and, and voicing our complaint. And so I just want to invite you to pray something like, God, I feel blank because blank. It's very simple, but you fill in the blanks. God, I feel lonely uh, because I was rejected by this person, or I feel uh, overlooked because I didn't get the promotion, or I feel blank because blank. 
So just tell it back to the Lord. Just take a minute to pray that complaint back to the Lord. for God to hear and respond. So God, I would ask that you hear me and fill in the blank with respect to this specific place of lost loss. Just ask, appeal to God to hear you and to respond. of trust regardless of the circumstances you can just finish that prayer with something like but I will trust in your steadfast love regardless of the outcome I will trust in your steadfast love O Lord regardless of the outcome and Father we do we put our trust in you we don't understand the rhythms of life the seeming absurdity of life sometimes, the pain and the loss of life. We see beauty in it, uh, but at times it can feel overwhelming. And we bring that to you. And we say, in the middle of our confusion, we trust you. We exercise our will this morning. We say we trust you. And we look forward with hope to 2024. We do pray that you would move on our behalf as we bring our pain to you. In Jesus' name. Would you guys stand with me? As we respond to the Lord with one last song of worship, we'll have our prayer teams. If you're part of our prayer team, if you could come on down to the front. And uh, we'd love to pray for you. Uh, if there's something that even this morning has stirred up that you would love just continued prayer for, uh, we would love to put a hand on your shoulder. Or if you have any needs that we've talked about or haven't this morning, uh, we would love to be uh, right there with you by your side. Please come on down and uh, let somebody pray for you. I'll pray one more time and then we will uh, respond to the Lord in worship. Again, Father, we worship you. We worship you. And I was just thinking of Romans 15, 13, and I, I just feel like there are people here this morning that came in hopeless. In Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing and may you abound with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we release hope all over the room this morning in Jesus' name, amen.